Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I'm going to talk to you today uh, about being persistent in the face of difficulty. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 37, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What is more than a conqueror? The Greek words more than means to be superior, beyond measure. It describes someone being totally in control of every circumstance. More than also describes someone who is first rate, they're superior, they're preeminent, more than a match for, unsurpassed, and unequaled, and unrivaled by any situation. Are you more than a conqueror today? Conquering something requires persistence. The Greek word conqueror is an overcomer, a champion, a victor, a winner. It is someone that no matter how dire the circumstances may be, they are strong and confident. In Christ and in his love, your overwhelming, prevailing force that cannot be defeated. You're an overwhelming, conquering, overcomer, a force so explosive and conquering that nothing can withstand its power. Miracles are part of your DNA. In Christ, you're armed with the word of God. And you're a force so explosive and so conquering that nothing can defeat or dominate you. Are you listening to me? Even in the face of certain defeat, you're a winner. You will not lose. More than a conqueror, think different. They talk different. They walk different. They have an attitude of confidence and boldness even in the face of great difficulty. That's why we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. You don't come weak in the throne room of grace. You come boldly. Why? Because what Christ has done in you. We've all heard this. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Is it a fight in you? I come to stir up a little fight today. Am I going to get to do that? It's not your physical strength. It's not your skill set. It's your faith that Jesus Christ has made you more than a conqueror. Now, if I'm going to do good, you're going to have to do good. If you're not going to amen me, then I'm going to sit up here and amen me. Because what I'm about to give you is really good. Amen? Amen? Let's get with it now. Quiet church is a dead church. We ain't dead. In 2 Samuel 23, God spotlights three men who were more than conquerors. These men were valiant in battle, and they made King David's top three list. (laughs) That's a big deal. They were determined never to quit, and no matter how big or small their assignment was, they persevered. They did extraordinary feats in the face of certain defeats. 2 Samuel 23, 8 through 12. These are the names of the mighty men who David had. Joshua Bashapath, the Tachamite, 
chief among the captains. He was called Edino the Izanite because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Oahite, one of these three mighty men with David, when they defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated, he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. The Philistine had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask, my Father, that you will minister to your people and that you would give us revelation, knowledge, and understanding. Put something in our hand today that we can walk out and do valiant battle in Jesus' name. David had an army, uh, and many of his soldiers' names are listed at the end of 2 Samuel 23. If you turn to 2 Samuel 23 and begin to read it, it's like reading a telephone book. It's name after name after name. There's 37 names listed in all. Men who fought valiantly, and God honored these men, men by listing their names in Scripture But this passage that we read focuses on three mighty men. And these guys were tough. How did David recruit such talented men for battle? One would think that King David would have sent out recruiters all throughout the land to find the best of the best, the most brilliant, the strongest, the fastest, the most skilled. Any coach will tell you that when he's trying to build a team, he wants the best. He doesn't want the weakest. He doesn't want the slowest. He wants the best so he can win at what he does. And truth is, King David does not want to go into battle, a life and death situation, with weak, slow, discouraged, and unskilled men. He wants the best. So let's look at the quality of men that came to enlist in King David's army. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 through 2. Therefore David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. What a great leader he is. Hiding. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him and everyone who was in distress... Everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So David became the captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Now just do a little history. David at 16 had been anointed secretly by Samuel the prophet to be the next king of Israel. God had rejected Saul for his disobedience. And after David was anointed, he defeated Goliath. The victory made King Saul mad and actually filled with jealousy and wanted David, his son-in-law, dead. Although David was anointed by God to be the next king of Israel, here he is hiding in a cave. And he needed an army for his personal protection from Saul 
and from the Philistines. And uh, Saul sent out a decree, if anyone helps David, they're guilty of treason and will be executed on the spot. So where was he? Hiding. Isolated. And he could only build an army with the people God sent him. Sounds like the church, doesn't it? You're our valiant warriors. And what did God send him? 400 unhappy men with hidden potential to join him. They were in distress and debt and discontented. These men were not the most gifted and talented. None of them that came to David were successful. The truth is they failed at life and they came to join David's army because they had nowhere else to go. And David is hiding for his life. And here comes this army of misfits to protect him. They were distressed. That means that they were suffering from anxiety and emotional pain. Life had beat them up. They were in debt. They could not pay their bills. <laughs> so they came to hide in a cave from their creditors to keep from being sold into slavery. They were discontented, dissatisfied, and frustrated with life. God is specific to write us their resume for us all to see. Because out of 400 of these new recruits, not a winner among them. But also out of these misfits, God builds one of the greatest war machines ever known. Are you listening to me, my family? That's good news to me. When Jesus found you, did you have it all together? Anybody here got it all together now? Anybody here failed in the last week? Last day? Last hour? Truth is, we were a mess. And we still messy from time to time. You may be still in distress. You still may be in debt and discontented. Well, there's good news. You're at the right church at the right time. The hand of God has anointed you to win every battle. You will not stay that way. Did you hear me? But you have to go through process. You can't come and go. You, you got to come in and get it plugged in and stay in. If you're going to win. How many women that know that if you can plant a, plant, uh, plant, a uh, plant every week, move it and plant it every week, it's not going to grow. And that's what happens in many of the churches. They just jump from one place to another. They treat the church like Walmart and Target. They're just going to, well, wherever I feel like I'm going, I'm supposed to go. Stop your foolishness. That's ridiculous. See, the truth is, is that this story encourages me. It proves that God promotes people with problems. So you failed at life. Welcome to the family. You're in the army of God. These men were failures and had no qualifications, but what they did is they submitted to a king that wasn't a king. In other words, David was still coming into his potential. And we know that David had some problems because not all leaders, matter of fact, none that I have ever met are perfect. 
But if a man is humble, if a, a man of God or a woman of God or a leader is humble, God can use them in a great way. The truth is, is that we submit, get involved, volunteer, a hero in us begins to emerge. Together, as a church, we're the best of the best. You're a part of a team. Christianity is a team sport. And it takes all of us doing our part to do what God's called us to do. But we need a coach, mentor, pastor, someone that can see in us something we cannot see. Someone that will believe in us when we don't believe in ourselves. Do you These imperfect men made a decision to follow King David and his vision. Their decision did not make them popular among the religious crowd. Their decision did not make them extremely wealthy. Their decision did not, uh, <laughs> they did not fit in the political, the politics of the day. But you know what it gave them? It gave them destiny and purpose. Something that you need. Jesus chose you because he sees in you potential. He says that you're more than a conqueror, that you can overcome any obstacle. We know the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world, put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Isn't it good that we fit in? Back to our story. Odino killed 800 men by himself in one battle. He had persistence in overwhelming odds. I wonder how he killed so many. I picture him protecting a path. One guy in at a time. 800 soldiers behind. He has no many idea how many is behind the first guy that's coming. And he says, guy walks up and says, I'm going to kill you. He said, he said no, I'm going to kill you because you ain't getting through. I'm, I'm going to fight you, man. Adino didn't stop till 800 men were dead. Now, if you just started going 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, you'd be here a while. Now, let's just look at it. If I was to Christian wager you, <coughs> his chances with our first conflict is one in two. The second conflict, one in four. Third man comes up, his chances are one in eight. Four steps in, chances are one in 16. Fifth, one in, one, one in 32. Sixth, one in 64. Seventh, one in 128. Are you getting the picture? Huh? Because the next man he fights, he should be tarder. And the next man he's fighting is fresh. 
Who would bet on him? If you could get an air look at it and you saw 800, you seen one, who would bet on him? See, a lot of people aren't betting on you. That doesn't mean you're not going to win. Can I have an amen? There's no doubt that God stepped in. He loves it when you refuse to quit in overwhelming, in the face of overwhelming odds. He loves it when you will not quit. When you have faith to charge hell with a water pistol, God gets excited. And that's what this guy did. If he would have tried to fight them all at once, well, he didn't. How do you need an elephant? One bite at a time. Sometimes life is overwhelming and we want to deal with more than one problem at a time. Uh, sometimes when you're going through difficulty, sometimes it's one moment. It's one minute. It's one hour. It's one day. Because sometimes that's all you can deal with. If you've never been in that kind of situation, it's difficult. You have to stay one thing at a time. In 2 Samuel 23, 9 through 10, and after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Oahite. One of the three mighty men with David, when they defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and men of Israel had retreated, he arose and attacked the Philistines, and his hand was weary, and his hand stuck to the sword, and the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and he and the people returned after him to plunder. Now, while David's army was in battle, the Philistines pushed the army of Israel back, and they overpowered them, and they re and everyone retreated except for Eleazar. What did he do? He ran into battle, single-handed, attacking the Philistines. Rambo don't come close to this guy. He fought so long and so hard that his hand became welded to the sword. Eleazar had persistence despite overwhelming fatigue. God saw his diligence his won't-quit attitude, and he strengthened him for battle. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. You know, the sword was welded to his hand. What did we pick up? The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Don't ever put it down. Let your hand be welded to it. This is the greatest, empty enemy. This is the greatest weapon you will ever have against the enemy. Confess the Scriptures as you run into battle. The word of faith is in your heart and in your mouth. You gotta believe it and you gotta say it. On a flight from Portland, Oregon, to Boston, Henry Dempsey heard a noise in the back of his aircraft. And when he went to the back of the aircraft, he began to investigate, and the his co-pilot was flying, and he he, and he had an air pocket, and it threw him against the back door, which immediately flung open, and he knew what the noise was. And it sucked him out of the jet at 4,000 feet. 
The co-pilot immediately knew what happened, radioed as they were over the ocean, it radioed, and he says, the pilot has fell out of the aircraft. Please send helicopters to look for the bodies. It's just 4,000 feet, what are you gonna do? So when the plane landed, they found Henry Dempsey holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. Miraculously, he grabbed a hold of the ladder and was on his way out and held on dearly for 15 minutes as the plane flew 190 miles an hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. And when the plane landed, he did an extreme crunch to keep his head off the tarmac a mere 12 inches away. <clears throat> it took airport personnel several minutes to pry Henry's hand from the ladder because he was holding on for dear life. Sometimes you just got to get a grip. Don't you let your emotions rule you. Let the word of God rule you. Having a big day? Like one great preacher says, toughen up, buttercup. Talk the word. Don't talk your emotions. Your emotions will lie to you. Thing is, after Eliezer had done all this, all of his buddies show back up and they plunder all the dead bodies. And what did Eliezer do? He led them. The truth is, when you win, everybody around you wins. So you never know what you're fighting now may give your children the victory for later. Because your children will stand on your shoulders someday. And what you want is you want your ceiling to be their floor. And then we have 2 Samuel 23, 11 through 12. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Herat. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop, and there was a piece of ground full of lentils. It's a bean field. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Now, there's a lot of causes to die for. You can die for your country, your family, your freedom, all great causes. But this man astonishes me. <laughs> he fights for Beanfield. Are you kidding me? One soldier comes and boasts, hey, hey, what, uh, yeah, Shaman says, what, what's your assignment? What's your assignment? My, my assignment's for guarding the king. What's your assignment? He says, I got a bean field. <laughs> you know, I'm at the age I tire of people who are arrogant and prideful. Aren't you unimpressed with how important people think they are? And someone is, when someone is full of pride at that moment, they're more like the devil. I'm in love with a God that calls a man to protect a bean field. And he defends it with all that's within him. God gets involved and brings a 
the great victory. God's establishing a divine principle. Will you listen to me? There's no small jobs in God's kingdom. There's no small people in God's kingdom. The Bible tells us not to despise small beginnings. Whatever God gives you to do, do it with all your heart. Shama became famous for having persistence in a humble assignment. Your greatness is not determined by your assignment. It is determined by your faithfulness to your assignment. Shama could have said, hey, guys, no, I'm not risking my life for a bean patch. I'm highly trained. I deserve a better assignment. Think for a moment what God's called you to do. Do you think you're too important to do your assignment? Well, Pastor, I'm not going to. You want me to do what? Don't you know that I got a Bible degree? Don't you know that I'm highly qualified? Don't you know I'm a CEO? Don't you know? Well, you're being like the devil. Will you not volunteer to help the church? Some people say, well, I'll volunteer, but you know, I have a teaching gift. I had a lady, she came to my church. She was a self-published author. and She uh, kept hinting that she wanted to preach in my church. I'm sure she had something to share, but you know, as pastors, we kind of watch. So one day, she had been in service a couple of uh, weeks, and so I called. I said, are you okay? Yeah. Well, tell you the truth, it was cold. I got lazy. I stayed home. I said, well, would you have came if I had invited you to preach? Well, of course, I'd been there. I said, you don't understand the church. You have no concept of what the church is because you think the church is about you and your gift. And it's not about you and your gift. It's about us serving and loving one another no matter what you may be going through. If you're hurting, we're hurting. If you're limping, we're helping you along the side. We're we're for you. This is a no rock zone. We throw no rocks at anyone. We judge no one. Why? Because we all guilty. The truth is, you have as much power and ability and availability for small assignments as you do for big assignments. The truth is, God's approval rating is the same for big as it is for small assignments. However, Your future success depends on your faithfulness to do the small assignments with all of your heart. Are you listening to me, my church? Huh? Don't despise small beginnings. And don't you dare despise small assignments. Do them with a good attitude. And I guarantee a promotion will come your way. What's your being filled? You serve the church in any aspect, 
Possibly it's your career, your marriage, your children, your health, your finances. We all have a bean field. And as we come together, it seems as if the guy in the parking lot or the one meeting, making coffee or the one greeting us at the door, you don't understand that someone came in and vacuumed, cleaned the toilets. They got people in the back, back taking care of children. The most minute detail. Your faithfulness to small assignments will absolutely guarantee you promotion. Be persistent in overwhelming odds. Don't quit. Be persistent despite overwhelming fatigue. Don't let go. Be persistent in a humble assignment. Don't be prideful. Father, I pray for your people this morning, and I pray, my Father, that you will minister to each and every one. That we would see, Lord, not ourselves small, but significant. That what we do for you, because the truth is, Lord, our jobs are ministry. Whether it be CEO or whether you uh, work at any job, it doesn't matter. That is your ministry. This church is a part of your ministry. How you serve the people here, a smile, a handshake, warm embrace. Looking for the one that needs ministry. Not hiding over in your little famous clique, but looking for the one. So, Lord, show me the one that I can encourage today that, that may be down and out. Lord, they need help. Lord, which one would you run to this morning? The one that's back in the back and hidden. Last to come in, first to try to leave. Took everything within them, Lord, to just come today. I pray, Father, for them. I pray for an anointing upon them. They'll have persistence in the face of all the difficulties they have before them. Move in power among your people, Father, as we bond together. As we determine to fight as one. That we'll have strength in battle. I pray, Father, for... Pastor Eric and Heather, as they are taking a deep breath of fresh air, that you would fill them with encouragement and peace and love and surround them as with a shield with your favor. Let your hand rest upon everything that they have. We love you, Lord. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would like to give you the opportunity to meet Christ. Perhaps you may be away from the Lord stepped aside, tried to do it your own way. Today's a wonderful day to give your life back to Jesus. I'm going to ask you a moment that you would raise your hand. Count three, and I'd like for you to raise your hand and raise it high and put it right back down. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at because it's important. You're important to God. You're important to this church. Pastor, pray for me. I'd like to receive Christ. Pastor, pray for me. I've been away from the Lord and I'd like to rededicate my life. If that's you, then I'd like to, for you to put your hand high in the air. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray this together, my church family. Lord Jesus, 
I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you, Lord, that you have died for my sin and you rose from the dead. I believe you're the Savior of my life. I believe you're the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for a new beginning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.